Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including she and the Princesses of Power, which we'll be getting into right now. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Alex Bonilla. Hello. Maddie Potter. Hey there, baby girl. Mm, oh no. And, uh... <laughs> and... <laughs> Usually it's Alex with the okay, but uh, and Sarah Dolman. Hi. Whose yeah. line was that? That was Mike because he was talking to Glimmer. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh no! Very much oh, worse no. out of context. Uh, yeah, but the way you the way you said that is so much worse. <laughs> no, he said it like that. That was the read from him. So oh, oh, yeah, but he's in like evil form, right? Okay, okay, yeah, okay. It's still bad. Okay, Maddie's <laughs> Maddie's been chipped. Um, so, <laughs> we'll see what happens. This, we're talking. We're once again talking the she and the Princess of Power season five series finale. Um, the whole last season that came out on Netflix on Friday. We had a first initial reactions podcast on Friday as well, and we'll be getting some new perspectives on the season as a whole and everything that happened in this podcast. Check us out at overlyanimated.com. All of our previous Shira podcasts, including that previous season five discussion um search for overly animated chira all of that and uh we are going to be getting into spoilers right away so make sure you have seen all of season five of shira and the princesses of power then come back and listen full spoiler warning for the entire show okay um let's let's start we have some topics we want to get into but we can just start by like what are your thoughts on the season if if, if it's still if, i mean it'll be it's within the last few days for all of us but um what were your reactions as you were watching and kind of just how do you feel about it as a whole? Alex, I think you were you were definitely first of this group to finish on Friday. Um, what, what did you feel at the time? How are you feeling about it now? Yeah, I, I binged it fr- Friday morning as my duty as a She-Ra supporter. Uh, <laughs> and I, I will say that I had a lot of fun with the season. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Horde Prime. I enjoyed uh, seeing the relationships that had been broken slowly be, be reformed and uh, reconciled. Um, but let's face it, the headline is the finale, right? And my my reaction to that was one that I had not. I, I don't think I've ever experienced. Where when we're going to spoilers immediately, right? Yes. Uh, so so Catradora Kat, uh, is happening, right? I'm like in, in uh, sit, sitting cross legged on my couch, like oh my god, this is happening. This is actually happening. And then they kiss, and I just had like an uncontrollable th- like three minutes, four minutes of like laugh crying, at, and like I kind of had to rewind the whole end of that episode because like. Uh, it, it like really mentally broke me into the, like wow in a good like, way in a good way it, <laughs> like the fact that it's laughing and crying it's like oh like oh my god it actually happened and why am i how why does this feel like so emotionally cathartic to me it's uh, I, I mean i ship on this podcast we've had uh we've talked shipping a lot including ships that we'll get to later but for some this is like the first time ever that i was like this emotionally affected by the culmination of <laughs> of a relationship getting there and to the point where like I did a, I did a rewatch of at least the quote important episodes of the season or at least the ones that I, I enjoyed the most and when I rewatched the finale I still like there's still like an uncontrollable feeling that I that wasn't as strong as the first time but like it's still when it happened I was like uh, oh, oh wow 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 like it just your your brain like goes racing and I think that's a testament to just how well this show um 
the show's final season and ends up justifying that moment or um, or building us up there on on top of the foundation that we've done in the previous seasons and so that is like the cherry on top of what ends up being just a really strong uh, strong season for um completing all of these uh, relationship dramas which is the basis of shira right it's like seeing uh, adora and glimmer and bow and catra all interact with each other and go manage through their problems with the backdrop of this whole magic uh, magic defeats uh, robot society in space thing like that feels like such a uh, a, a second thought compared to like how our main characters are, are dealing with each other and and that's so it continues that down to the very end and i think it does it as successfully as any show could and yeah and uh, it's just it's a buzz that i'm still riding high off of and i uh, uh it's just interesting because i didn't expect it to come from shira like i would have expected to feel this way with steven universe but even this is like even above that so that's why i'm like uh, this is gonna be a lot to work through today. <laughs> is this our Shira therapy session? Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I, I want, I want to figure it out. <laughs> Alex likes Shira more than Steven Universe confirmed. You heard it here first. During um, <laughs> his thoughts. <laughs> okay, mm. I didn't think I'd hear that. I, I mean, don't. maybe. I don't also, know. You're, you were like, I ship. I was like, okay, you mean Shira? No, you were talking about you ship in general. Like you ship things, and this yeah, is the biggest uh, reaction you've had. That's that's pretty good. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And and I didn't even know. And I'm I don't even think this is a ship you were particularly talking a lot about. I mean, no. you know, talk a lot about it, but a lot of us are on the we're on the Glimmadora train coming in. I think, including you. So that's an inter- interesting reaction from Alex. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do, and yes, that's why we need to have the therapy session. We'll we'll get we'll break it down. Okay, um, Maddie, you just finished Shira. Yes, season as, five. As I do, as I do. You I seem composed <laughs> compared to Alex, who was laugh crying all the time. So what? what um, you, what's what's your emotions right now? My emotions are a little more complex. I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm going to, I'll talk about Catchador later. Like, I love Catchador and I'm very gay and I love how gay they are. But just to give a little variety here, um, I haven't got a chance to really say anything about She-Ra, like, yet. Cause I you are a new watched. She-Ra fan. Yeah, like, I watched the whole show, like, I, I like, when I say I binged the show, I didn't just binge season five. Like, I binged all five seasons coming up to this. Like, I watched them Not all. Not like this last- weekend, though. Like in the last month, I've been okay, watching them. During, it was, it's been my, one of my quarantine shows. And so I was just, which in general, with She-Ra, I just really, the plot has been okay, but the emotion and the character interactions have always been really incredible. And I think this final season really doubles down on that in a lot of ways. And I really loved a lot of the ways the characters interact. I really loved that they really like went really hard with like characters saying I love you to each other and which I think because I think that characters don't say that enough to each other partners or otherwise on shows like this and it felt really good it felt really cathartic those moments um it 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 was also like kind of only only really the Seahawk one didn't really hit well for me but the rest of them like just really hit really well and I liked it and it just felt I just felt kind of like warm and happy in a way that was kind of similar to Steven Universe, which is very impressive. But also there was just a lot more other thoughts going on. So I couldn't like just focus on that happiness. Like there was just a lot of things on my mind specifically, like the way Catra's arc was going, the way um, some of the things we touched on at the end of Adora's arc and 
some of the things we touched on with Shadow Weaver really hit home for me. And the rest of it kind of, not that it wasn't like I wasn't focused on it, but it kind of fell to like the background for me. Because the, the things I cared about were Catra, Adora, and Shadow Weaver in the last three episodes. And that's pretty much it. Like, I didn't really care about anything else happening. Yeah, I think they were the focus. So Yeah, and I don't really mean that in a bad way to the rest of the plot. I just mean that like I cared about them so much that I did not really want to focus on anything else. I wanted to know, like, not just, like, the relationship between Catherine and Dora. Like, I wanted to know where they ended up as people. Okay. Yes. I'm interested to get your thoughts on yeah. that with Catradora. Uh, that'll be probably be our first topic, so we'll come back to that. Yeah. Uh, all of a chance. All of a yeah. chance to gush about the gay. Okay. Gushing. Okay. Giving. I'm glad it's... Uh... We're, we're getting the positive. I mean, well, I assume we'll get the positive capture takes. And we heard a lot of that on our first podcast as well. So um, if you want additional context for other reactions, check out the first podcast. But Sarah, um, what were your reactions to watching the final season? Um, So I was kind of like feeling a little iffy about this last season before before I watched it. I was like, I'm not really sure what they're going to be doing with like everyone's arcs and the relationships, the ships, all of that. Um, but I found myself like really drawn in as I started watching and I didn't want to stop. I like tried to like spread it out so I wouldn't be binge watching because generally that's not what I like to do. Um, but like, I, I just didn't want to stop because I was so engaged in how the plot was moving. I thought the pacing was really great overall. I thought there were so many wonderful emotional moments. I thought like it was just absolutely like stunning to look at this season like they really raised the bar with just you know once they opened up etheria into the rest of the galaxy it's like you know everything can just be super beautiful and stars and rainbows and that was wonderful um uh, another thing that i was sort of iffy about which i'm sure we will get to um is like i've never really been a catradora shipper i've always been a glimmer and adora and so i was kind of like mm, i don't really know what they're gonna do with this um i Ended up the season feeling okay, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, but I, I overall I thought it was a really, really great, strong final season. Nice, yes, and we can get into all these different Catchador reactions, I'm sure. Um, yeah, and I, I, I give most of my thoughts on the on the first podcast, but still feeling really good about this this last season, and it's been fun seeing all the fan reaction. We've gotten a lot of Noel interviews. I'll uh, give some some tidbits from those as we hit on certain subjects. Um, but it seems like everyone's been really positive and excited by the last season. I mean, it's like a landmark, uh, like queer representation season and moment, and it's like that combined with this beloved show ending. And so it's been just really cool seeing um, everyone react to everything. Um, and. Uh, probably very good rewatchable season and stuff too i think some of us get started getting a little bit of that but let's um we we can start with catchador at the top i mean we talked a lot about it first podcast it's kind of like a prevailing theme that might go through other topics we would discuss here too but you know right off the bat i think just like how everyone reacted to catchador how they felt about it um, I think something we we can start with Maddie for like the because apparently I, you know like I don't know Maddie's Shira takes because she just watched it but uh, so uh, you, you said you were into Catchador the whole time watching the season so maybe you can give us the Catchador coming shipper coming into the season perspective and like <laughs> how it played out watching the season. Um, I think it flowed 
really well because like I watched all the seasons in a row so I got like I got probably a very unique take of that for the recent like bingers because I like got to see all of it in a row with fresh eyes and Catradora just felt inevitable the whole time it felt in a but in a way that was like but again it's just like is it gonna happen though is it like explicitly yeah and I'm just happy that, like, it actually happened because the text of the show is always, it's inevitable that Katra needs to be able to admit to Adora that she likes her. Or, and then it became clear later in this, in this season specifically, that it was actually, she admit that she loves her. And that was clear from, I think, like, a few episodes into season one of this show. And they paid it off so beautifully and so... I don't know. And just such like this, like I, I the only word I can think of is loving manner. And it's just so beautiful to see this character who's so, like trying to work through all these things, finally being vulnerable to the person that she likes more than anything. And it's just so, it just kind of melts me just seeing the, just see Catra being able to take down her walls like this. And Adora is kind of reacting the same way. She's like, she's, She's reacting in like a, like, finally you're here kind of way almost. And it's just so beautiful. Yeah, so very, like, positive emotion seeing it play out, like, surprise at it being actually explicit at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that I think that surprise thing went away by the time I got to episode 11. By episode 11, I was pretty sure it was happening. Right, like, when you watch the season, I feel like it's obvious Catridor is happening by, like, episode five. I feel, you know? Yes, yes. But it's like, yes. where um, are we going, I guess, specifically? Yeah, how explicit are we going to be? And then by episode 11, it became clear, like, their their thing is the core of the finale. And so we're going to do something here. Yeah, you're right. They get the A-plot of, like, this finale arc. Really, the season really focuses in on Catra and Catra and Adorno way, which, you know, there are some seasons Catra's certainly not the secondary lead of the show and stuff like that. So, like, yeah. really, he really focuses down on it. Um, that's good. Yeah, Al- Alex, what's your... So, coming in, not as explicit of a Catradora shipper, but you have this big reaction. Like, well, walk through that. Uh, what's... what's uh, Is the reaction to the ship? Are you, like, on... like? So, we had interesting Delaney, like, big Glimidora shipper in the first podcast. She says... Uh, she uh, jumped on board Catradora as the season one. So is is it that type of thing, or is it a reaction to like the themes and the emotions of what's happening? I'd say my pre-season five feelings towards Catradora were like, I can sense that this is probably Endgame, but I'm not that excited about it. Like it'll happen, and you know whatever. Like that's been from season one, but so we'll just see how it goes. So I was just kind of like a hands off thing. I was more interested in other ships, like in Trap Deck or whatever, than it was in Captain More interested in Trap Deck. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's 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 more layers there, you know. But 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 like it is. But season five, what it does is that it finally lets Catra like take a step to change, and I think that that's been the the barrier, as I think you you've talked about too in previous uh, season discussions, where like it's it gets hard to sympathize with Catra at various points during the show because she's in full on it with the evil side mode, and there's not really remorse going on. 
but you get the breaking down to rock bottom last season. And then here, like you're seeing her finally take, take her steps towards realizing that she can like make her own decisions for good, beginning with the, with saving glimmer and then like, slowly integrating into the, into the best friend group. And like that, that means a lot to being able to, to ship someone. And now you get to a place where the Catra and Adora share different uh, shared backgrounds but are also now finally on the on the same wavelength of what to do going forward. And one thing, in addition to the vulnerability thing that um, that Maddie talked about, another thing that hit me is just the the beauty of of Catra and Adora both needing to bring things to the table for each other. In this case. Adora brings to Catra, like, look, you need to display care for, for other people. You need to ha- help them out if you have the power with you. But Catra also brings to the table, like, hey, look, like, you can't, you can't keep doing this thing where you, ha- you have to fix problems of everyone and only you can do it. You need to, like, let other people in. That's been Adora's character struggle since season one. And Catra is also in on this. But, like, now she's finally in a, in a place where uh, she's emotionally close enough to have that mean something to, to Adora. And so the fact that, like, both of them are, are dealing with their own issues and they both end up kind of meshing together by the finale. Like, you have a Catra making these sacrifices to get uh, Adora to the heart of Etheria. And then you have Adora as well, like finally letting, uh, letting Kat, Katra in to the, those intimate moments and you know, lead up to the kiss and all. But I, I guess it's that, that part that like really gets me, like just seeing how, uh, how Katra slowly changed over the course of the season while also like seeing the the effect on Adora, like finally getting her, her friend back and at the same time, like needing, needing that final push to, to learn the lesson that she's been <laughs> working with for the, this entire show. So um, all, all, all of that really, really helped uh, make that moment to feel as cathartic as it did. Great, yeah, and we've 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 talked about the the themes in the finale, and yeah, how that relates to both I mean, their characters. I think that's I'm, great. I mean, it's not even just the finale; it's the whole season is about their like it. The first episode heavily starts on Adora's that that thing we were talking about that Adora ends on this season. It starts there, and it starts with Katra. Um, uh, wow, I lost the words. Uh, Adora start Adora starts with helping everybody to the point of hurting herself, and Katra starts at the point of not being willing to tell Glimmer that she's actually wants, she's lonely. Like just this simple thing of they're both prisoners and she can't even tell the other prisoner that she's lonely too. And that feels like the whole season is about that. Like they really wanted to make sure that you were aware of the things they needed to, like the, the point they needed to reach by the end of the season. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it feels uh, more, we'll get to the, this, this catch arc, but first, uh, Sarah, any any Catrador thoughts to share as Glimid- hardcore Glimidora coming in? Um, how, how does how does that perspective react to the events of the whole season? Okay, I think like, but but when I finished the show, and I also kind of like I saw the writing on the wall. It's not like I was like until the last second like Glimidora could still happen. Like <laughs> I'm not, I I can see what's happening, and it's it's like and I and it didn't. I you know I felt I finished and I was like you know I I 
I didn't hate it. And <laughs> like, and in fact, like it's, a, it's an ending that I can accept, which is not something I necessarily could have predicted, I would say, coming into the season. And like, I mean, I have to admit, like a big part of it is just my, you know, big sappy queer heart just can't resist the big gay rainbows and sunshine. And, <sighs> and like, like, how can how can one not love that and i mean it's, it's also you know they went with a you know big happy uh warm fuzzy ending which is definitely something that i gravitate towards in most cases instead of something that was like dark and cynical and um and so that i i appreciated that um and i also feel like you know katra herself you know the journey that she went on, I felt like she was, you know, a lot more likable this season and more sympathetic than in previous seasons. Um, and I, I like, you know, so I, I can accept that it happened and I can appreciate it. I can absolutely appreciate the incredible step forward and representation. Um, I also think that like, I, I, I didn't, recently watched the previous seasons but like it feels like to me for me in the context of the whole show I still have a lot of concerns about the relationship that would prevent me from being like fully on board like yay Catradora this is the best and I think it just really stems from how I how much I didn't like Catra's actions in the previous seasons and also a lot of concerns about how intensely the relationship was affected by Shadow Weaver. Shadow Weaver, um, she like Shadow Weaver basically created the relationship between Katra and Adora to be something that wasn't supportive between them. Where Katra is feeling like she's constantly inferior to Adora and can never do anything right. And Adora feels like she always has to prove herself and she's responsible for Katra. And like I did kind of still see that in a lot of ways play out in this season where, you know, Adora felt like she still had to go back and save Katra. You know, yes, on one hand, because she loves Katra, but, you know, it's also that sense of responsibility instilled in her. Um, and the Katra kind of always her motivation being Adora and what Adora thinks and wanting Adora to like her and love her. And that's not all necessarily a bad thing. I think it could potentially, you know, create problems in the relationship. And so, I mean, you know what? I'm on board with Katra Dora where they both go to therapy and also possibly couples therapy. Is that a fair, mm-hmm. <laughs> a fair conclusion? They really need therapy. I mean, I think I think everyone would agree everyone needs therapy after, yeah. even after all the cathartic happiness at the end of the like, season. And I would say specifically with regards to uh, to that final point, I, I think p- part of why uh, another reason why the mo- the final moment feels so uh, cathartic is it's preceded by watching Sh- Shadow Weaver die. I think like the fact that that the they're, that kind of marks like their final separation from from Shadow Weaver, at least in terms of her influence yeah. on on their lives. Because even as as recent as the episode right before, where like she's doing her whole manipulative junk towards Adora, of like you gotta separate yourself from Catra, he's messing with your powers and all. So like Shadow Weaver, if she was gonna hang around, that was always gonna be an, an issue. It, so the fact that the, that tie is finally cut for good, it feels 
feels like, okay, you can finally begin moving forward <laughs> from this. So while, while I agree, like that, that's, there's underlying issues that may still need to be resolved. But I, I do think that it, it's helped by the fact that we finally get rid of that, that factor from uh, the future. Absolutely. Yes. I definitely agree that like having Shadow Weeder, Shadow Weeder, I keep saying Shadow Weeder. Shadow Weeder. I- <laughs> <laughs> Is it evil perfuma? <laughs> no, I, I, but I, I, you know, I think it's just the, the nature of the sort of the dynamic of the relationship where there's like, you know, yes, there's all of that love and that romantic and all that other kinds of tension um, being there while also there being the, the all of those really difficult, complicated feelings with them, too. And like those can exist in a relationship. And I I, I just don't see them necessarily. I'm just like going away on their own, mm-hmm. even with Shadow gone. Yeah. Maddie, what do you think of this, this type of discussion of where Catrador ends up? Um, um, the, the I think it's they hard. Have? It's hard for me to talk about without getting into really the Catarist stuff altogether. Oh, all yeah, overall. we can transition to that too. Okay, because I think that I, I've seen a little bit. I haven't really gotten the chance to like look on a lot of the fandom stuff, but I've seen that people thought that Catra's arc went a little fast, went a little bit sudden, and it definitely was rushed in terms of a pacing thing. But in terms of a, I think, realistic movement forward of a person in terms of like moving past this trauma moving trying to move forward i'm not that surprised by it i'm not that surprised by the things katra does this season or the times that she does them because a big part of trauma a big part of moving past abuse is deciding to leave behind the person who abused you and deciding to reach out to a new support system And once you have done those two things, your recovery actually speeds up. It doesn't, it's not like it goes away instantly. Your stuff is still there, but it's a lot easier to shoulder those things when you don't have the, your abuser over your shoulder and you have an actual group of people who are there for her. And by the time we reach episode five, Shadow Weaver has not shown up in Katra's life all season. And Katra is, or episode six, I'm sorry. And, um, and Katra is with, the group, the best friend squad, as they call them. And you can see that Glimmer and Bo are suspicious of her, but they are starting to see that Catra is really just a hurt person and needs to be shown that people can be nice in a way that was similar to how Scorpio was helped last season. And once you have those things, like I'm saying, it, it, it makes sense to me, this progression. I dislike the way Shadow Weaver died on a personal level, like not on a story time level. I think that's the Shadow Weaver's character that she thinks that she could do this to Catra, that she could say she's proud of Catra that die. But the fact of the matter is she's still evil and she's still awful. And even if she saved Catra once, that doesn't make up for everything bad she did. And I'm sure Catra is dealing with a lot of stuff because of that, because of the way Shadow Weaver did this. And she's going to have to deal with a lot because of the way Shadow Weaver left her. But she's gone now. And that means so much for her mental health, as morbid as that is. And so I think that they will be generally Catradora. To answer the question, I think Catradora will be moving forward, be moving towards a healthier relationship and healthier people on their own. Because again, her abusers are gone. So it could only go up now. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're tying in a few things here, and we can talk about Shadow Weaver at this point too, which um, 
we have additional Sorry. context from no, I think I think it all you know it all ties together in these last few episodes. I think it's all all very relevant. Uh, additional context from Noel who says that uh, Shadow Weaver dying it was not a redemption. It was not a redemption arc or anything for Good. Shadow Weaver. So. Um, I think that's the intent. I think in Shadow Weaver's, Shadow Weaver's mind, I think Noelle's talked about this, she's been a good guy for a while in her mind, and she's, uh, this is probably a redemptive arc in her mind, but obviously, like, that doesn't reflect reality, so I think that was not the intended storytelling, uh, thing there. Um, but, Which uh, thing? The, the, that she's not redeemed at the end? Um, just her, like, her sacrificing herself. Yeah, I think it's, um, that's not what they're, the show's going for, yeah. Um, you think that you think so? I'm sorry. I'm just trying to make sure you're clear because there's a couple double negatives there. You're saying that you think the show is trying to show that she is redeemed? No, not redeemed. No. Like, no, like, oh, no, oh yeah. okay, okay. So, okay, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just this character beat for this really complicated toxic yeah. character that has uh, been. Well, we, we've been waiting for something to. A lot of people have been waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it kind of never does. And it's really interesting. Um, yeah. That she does yeah. Like the the way I see the shadow of her death is that the, this final season shows that like she can't turn herself off. Like she's gonna be this kind of manipulative person forever. When I rewatched, it, I was amazed by that uh, sequence when they're going towards the failsafe, and like she has the nerve to be like, "Oh, if only the, there was stronger magic in your family, straight to cast this fella and and glimmer." But that's just kind of who she is. Like that. That's the that one makes that, that's, because that's like well, an old grudge. Well, right, right, but I, but like overall, like the person doesn't seem to have any any interest in changing. So the way she goes is like, I just need to get this uh, done. I I have finally got it into my head that Adora is only going to do this with you. So I, I give up. I'm I'm just gonna live my life just to let the power go through. But like that, there's no, and she ends it with that like you're welcome, as if like she's doing so. She's like yeah. making a good action, whereas like it's kind of just the only action she can take. But like she has to be on on top in her mind. So uh, I I just particularly I I enjoy Shadow Weaver. Um, character in in this season just because like it th- there are these people that like no matter what they're just gonna keep uh, going on going on their ways and if that's the way you gotta <laughs> that that was that felt like the most efficient way to get to get rid of her and let let us let us move forward and her still feeling in her mind that she's doing the right thing which has been the thing for the for the whole season but like I I, I Shadow Weaver as abusive mom down to the end and yep. uh, good riddance. <laughs> yes, same. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like Shadow Weaver even when she's like taking her good fight. And it is like a good action at them, but she's she's like so, so selfishly based and she's yeah. like, ham, hamming it <laughs> yeah. up selfishly I, at the end, even through that. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that she did this like 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 you were saying, Alex, she did this because she realized that she can't stop Catcher and Adora being together. And it's not that she's like agreeing with it and saying like yes this is good do this she's saying she's admitting defeat she's not admitting that they were right that's a very different thing she's admitting that she's admitting that she can't win not that she has lost and so she's trying to change the game which is what abusers do and she changed it to this where she's like you have to see me in a good light now or that's what she's trying to tell to them you have to see me as like i sacrifice myself that's who i am now and yeah, I, think it's she's just, been, I think she's been trying to, like, repair her image. Like, she's been wanting yeah. people to see her as a good guy for a while. Because yeah. that's how these people are. These people want, like, because 
messed up as shadowy for is she wants those people she wants people like catcher in her life she wants people like glimmer in her life she needs that because she needs people to look up to her and and she's just like this and that is the whole problem and she doesn't get that and she probably never would have even if she lived on nice i think this is a good it's a good summary of what shadow weaver's character ends up being there there's also that line in the in the failsafe episode where she's like uh, i know i made a mistake a while ago i paid for it i don't know why you guys keep bringing it up <laughs> like, oh yeah that's the other thing like, Minimizing that, that's kind of like de- yeah that's kind of like demonstrating like she doesn't really care about the consequences of her actions she's like well past is in the past let's move forward you got i can be good now right like not really caring about the effects that her Actions have had on people. It, it's just, it's it's a, it's amazing how how well. I mean, su- subtlety is not something that Shira wants to do, and I think that it's good that they make it as obvious as possible that she ain't she ain't changing. But I don't think this is even like very like this. This is just how these people are. I don't think that's like I don't think they're really mis- like they're really like being disingenuous with a character like this. They're just actually throwing a character like this into a show and saying. This is what these people are like. This is what they oh, always are like. Her name is Shadow Weaver, and she never bothers. Yeah, well, to the, na- the names the names are. Sure it's not Shadow Weaver, though. <laughs> <laughs> she would have been a li- she would have been a little nicer if she changed. Okay, it to Weaver. I'm ignoring the names. I've we don't need to. Like- we don't need to get into the names in this lot. You know, like right after the show's out. Okay. Like, yes, okay. Yes, we do. <laughs> Alex, it, it fits into the it fits into this whole thing. We're like nothing in this show is subtle, and down to season five, they like continue to the very end to make its messages as obvious as possible, so nobody misses it. Which it, which I kind of love about this show. Clear things are good, but Alex, the the first episode when Bo showed up with his bow and arrow, yeah. I I was done. I was yeah, done with yeah, the names. Yeah, I gave okay. up on the trying. Yeah, there was, I wanted to share, like, I found this really interesting um, piece of analysis on Twitter that um, a user named F underscore bank um, had said. Um, they said, like, they just rewatched the last scene. It was for, for Shadow Weaver. It was all about Adora for her. She rescued Katra and sacrificed herself so her protege Adora could fulfill her task and Shadow Weaver's goal to use the failsafe and release Ethereus magic. In a sense, a selfish sacrifice. I think her I'm proud of you to Katra was her last manipulative lie. She wanted to make Katra feel better about herself so she could help Adora more effectively. Yep, and that's I, interesting. Yeah. I just yeah. I feel like like and like this kind of explains like I felt like everything about what Shadow was Shadow Weaver was doing until the last minute just it felt so uncomfortable to me. And I feel like that just explained why how like it just it was all felt like it was part of Shadow Weaver has some kind of ulterior motive that you can never really tell what it is, but it's like never like just like a genuine thing. I and yeah, definitely. And I think that for past seasons, I thought that Shadow Weaver had some bigger plan, but it turns out her plan quote unquote was always just her necessity and her the necessity of her being in that position like she was with Katra and Adora it was never about like she didn't never wanted to like take control of things and kill everybody she just wanted people to look at her and realize she was the one in charge she was the one who did this she was the one who knew how to do this and is better than everybody. And yeah, she's the one with the power. Yeah, it, whether it, it's the metaphorical power or the actual power, yeah. she didn't care. It was never about the heart. It was always about just how everyone viewed her. And I think that in previous seasons, I thought that she definitely wanted to, like, had a villainous plan, and it never was that. It was always just her normal motivations, just pushing her forward. 
Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot of good stuff on Shadow Weaver. I want to get, get back to Catra, and I'm sure. Never. Uh, would you talk about Catra? <laughs> Shadow Weaver will come up. But, um, I like what Maddie said earlier about with how Catra, like, it's, it's like, it's enough that, like, a, fl- a flip switched in her mind and she was in a good situation, like, that, like, on its yeah. own couldn't explain why it was so quick. Like, yeah. I thought that was an interesting, um, perspective on it. Cause I, I, you know, I, I rewatched episode three and, like, in episode three, Catra says, Adora, I'm sorry for everything when she's talking to Adora on like the intercom or whatever. Um, you know, so like coming into the season, we're like, Catra, like, how, how are we going to do this turnaround in the number of episodes we have? And by episode three, she's, she's, she says that. Like, that's, it's, it's a lot, I think, um, very quickly. And with the first podcast, we talked about how this whole situation is kind of perfect for, Catra and everything that happens and a big part of it I think is like the support system yeah like the a, a glimmer adora bow just kind of accepting her and forgiving her very quickly I think that's probably a big part of it um we can we can get everyone's kind of takes on the Catra I can come back to Maddie too but Alex what do you think of of how the how Catra handled this season how um and I guess I guess I also want to preface I think um I think this wasn't a redemption arc so I want to be um on the side of the not liking redemption for what Catra's doing here because I think that doesn't fit with the themes of Shira. Um I think this show has always kind of had a theme that people can be good on the inside even if they're doing bad things. I think that's kind of like a Catra theme, very broadly. Um yeah. so if she she just stopped doing bad things and she's always been good. It's not like she was bad, like I think is what the show is saying. It she she's She's just not doing bad things anymore. She doesn't need to be redeemed. She was always good. And, um, and like, everyone accepts that with her. She was just taught a different moral system, and she doesn't know how to put that onto other things. And she was conditioned to think other ways. And she was always inherently good at doing things. So, like, it makes sense to me that the show doesn't need to do this big, this big hot, uh, uh, like, whatever, uh, showy redemption arc, like, with, uh, like, that, yeah. I, think, I think that fits with, with the type of thing the show's doing. Because, I mean, they've done it every season. Every season they show, like, when Catra leaves the Horde for some reason. Like, when she went to the desert and she was kicked out. Like, she was thriving. She was doing well. Like, every time she leaves. And this In terms isn't of, like, new... the, her environment being, like, the big yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that, like, this isn't, like, a new thing the show brought up. Like, I think that's why I never felt like it was too fast this season. Because, like, this has always been on Catra's mind. Not just the viewer's. That's interesting. Alex, what do you think of like this explanation for how quickly Catra's able to to turn around the season? Um I guess my initial thoughts when I hear when I hear that is like you have to remember that this isn't exclusive to season 5. Like I feel if you if you're looking at the Catra transformation, you begin at at, at latest last season where like we begin undressing her or like she's finally totally alone and she she finally comes to realization and that's where at her most desperate she makes like ter- terrible decisions um she's she's put in a place where she can atone for her biggest one of her biggest ones which is like contributing to uh to glimmer's mom and all but like also she's in a place where she can rescue glimmer and like that that in itself it helps out and on top of that you have these people glimmer boa and adora who are all very open to 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 forgiveness and that's a, a quality that i think many shows are making an effort to to um to promote steven universe is a, a top in this 
where like if someone is willing to make uh, if somebody is showing that they're making active changes then no ma- no matter what what they did be, uh, beforehand that that's uh, that's enough to begin uh, allowing allowing them into into your circle and supporting them and, like that's just kind of the 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 system that this sh- this show and others uh, are promoting and i think that fits very well with what Catra does in the in, in this season so like i, I I'm open to hearing people who who think it's quick, but at, at least in, in my sense, I think it's just a matter of the 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 nature of these characters as established in previous seasons, and, and the fact that like this has this this foundation has been laid for Catra since before this this season. So like it's it's a longer process than what uh, just just these thirteen episodes. I think certainly we have the foundation in terms of and on the other hand, like the other way you look at it, which I don't think the show thematically really does is catcher wasn't taking positive, morally positive actions until the very end of last season. Right. So it is kind of in that regard, it's quick, but in terms of like motivating emotional factors, I think, you know, certainly we saw a lot of that last season and previous seasons. Um, Sarah, do you have thoughts on, on catcher's turnaround or catcher's arc this season? Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think while watching the season, it felt rushed to me. Um, I think in a lot of ways, like, Catra is just a very, um, like, emotionally driven person. And so when the context changes, her emotions and her behaviors will change. And so I think, like, it, it, it kind of made sense as I was watching it. I think, you know... And maybe not like her behavior felt rushed, but I do feel like others in general willingness to forgive her or at least accept her felt a bit quick to me. Um, just personally in my viewing of it, like I think, you know, she was counter was responsible for Glimmer's mom being locked away in a hidden dimension for the rest of eternity. And Is that what happened? <laughs> Um, and, you know, try and, you know, you know, being very, you know, manipulative and saying a lot of really horrible things and, you know, actively trying to hurt and destroy everyone. And I think that, yes, those are bad things, but she also has, you know, uh, a good heart. But I also think that, you know, people that were really hurt by Adora, which, I mean, not Adora, uh, by Catra, um, which is a lot of people in the show, I felt like maybe it would have been nice to see some people take a little bit longer to really kind of accept her, or like accept her. And again, and like Katra having to do a bit more, like, I don't want to say like atonement, but like, you know, like recognizing and talking through like why the things she did were really wrong and like, you know, where and you know, how she's going to make it up to people. And I do think, you know, in a lot of ways, the show tried to do like show and not tell for that. But I also feel like there was something for me personally that was missing in getting people there. Like, especially like, you know, like Scorpia has such a big heart, but it's like, you know, Scorpia, like she really burned you and you're just like, yeah, oh, it's okay. It's okay, Catra. Um, which, you know, makes sense for Scorpia's character, but I also feel uh, protective over Scorpia. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. I yeah. think... I agree that Scorpia's turn is a little bit too quick. I understand how Glimmer and Bo got there so fast because the fact of the matter is they are really great friends with Adora and the fact, and they, and I am sure 
that they understand how conflicted Catra makes her feel from before this season. And they understand just how close she is to Catra. And I can understand how they would see what Adora is seeing because they love Adora. And they see yeah, that... No, that makes sense. And, and that makes sense to me. Like, they can see and they can understand that Shadow Weaver is, like... Shadow Weaver's influence on Catra is really what killed, like Shadow Weaver's who killed um, Bright Moon. Like it's not Catra yeah. who did that, or who, you know what I mean. And the, yeah, and the... I, I I don't know if I fully agree with that because I think Catra is still responsible for her behavior. Yeah, it's it's a difficult balance because like she is her own person, but I, I I get what you're. I I it's it's a thing I struggle with too because like which actions are mine and which and like which which actions do i get to blame on things that aren't me which actions do you do a, does a person get to blame on their trauma and which ones do they get to blame on themselves because it's a really it's a difficult thing to decide sometimes like is catra to blame for when she like is catra to blame for like all this stuff happening in the first place like it, it, it like at the very beginning because she pushed adora away in a lot of ways because she couldn't accept that adora would leave the horde to begin with yeah or is that Shadow Weaver? Like, whose fault is that? I, I think it's really difficult to put the fault on one person yeah, in this case. I it think is. It, like I think I think that's what you're trying to say. I think it's yeah, really it's really nuanced, and I think that I think that you know everybody involved should take some accountability for and how and what I'm out. yeah, and I think what I'm saying is I think that the 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 characters in the show are not blind to this. They are not blind to the fact that Catra on the inside is just suffering and scared and sad. And that doesn't excuse the things she's done, but they see who she, they, on some level, they see who she is and they see the person that is just being hurt by Shadow Weaver by the end of the show. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Uh, I just want to comment related to being defensive about Scorpia. Um, I need a little help remembering this, but something that stuck in my head was when Perfuma confronted Catra. It was like kind of throwing in her face about how uh, how she treated Scorpia versus like what a true friend is. I don't really remember the dialogue of that, but I just I, I remember that specifically. It was like, oh, like this is kind of like the most direct anybody's being towards yeah, Catra. Yeah, right yeah. Perfuma yeah, was the most, uh, yeah antagonistic to catch her basically and then also frosta punches her um oh my god that punch in, if in an anime if a character is like did something really bad they have to they have to be punched like that so that's <laughs> that's that's what that was inevitable with catcher um the yeah i think i think like i, I think a big in, 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 I mean, that whole discussion of like who's to blame and stuff you know i mean that's a, that's a deeper discussion and stuff i certainly think catcher is responsible for a lot of her actions there's a whole season when shadow weaver's gone and she's in charge and but, stuff. I, um, but that doesn't mean that catcher's not being affected by her still absolutely yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, 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 I agree with you though. Like, she is responsible. Yeah, cycle of abuse, etc. So yeah, yeah. The, it's a difficult discussion. Um, the uh, in, ter- in terms of, I, I like the point that Adora, like Glimmer and Bo, are going to default to Adora. I think a big thing here is that Adora is the one hurt most by Catra, and she is just going to innately forgive her because yeah. she loves her. So I think like that resolves a lot of things. Well, I mean, I, I, there's there's a point in um in the in a, when the rescue episode uh, taking control where like Adora is still kind of he- hesitant. Where like she sees that Catra is still rejecting help, and she's like, "I, I thought you were going to change. Okay, if this is it," and like she's about to walk out, 
And then Catra like is like, wait, wait, no, no, like please stay. And like that's that that feels like a turning point in terms of like Adora up to there was like, okay, this isn't changing. Why am I spending time on this? We'll drop you off. But as soon as once Catra is finally doing something different compared to previous moments, in this case, like accepting accepting help here, like uh, that that sparks a change. But I think that to me that signals like she even in rescuing Catra. She isn't at at first like totally ready to to do forgiveness until she sees that there that there's some change going on, and I think that helps. Uh, that like in the, the the there's still initial tension before we get we finish that episode. And yeah, I right. also there's still a lot of tension after the rescue episode. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there's a tension, but I mean, like it's hard to say whether the tension is romantic tension or whatever by by the point that we it's really all, get it's into. all romantic. Tension yeah, I know. Some, I know. to some extent. <laughs> Yeah, but I just think that like you gotta Adora, be friends before you can be romance. It's also a <laughs> lot easier for people like without getting too deep into it. It's a lot easier for Adora to forgive Katra because one, she's been, she's had the same abuser as Katra, so like she understands how Katra got there. She understands Katra's faulty logic to do things, so she understands the good inside Katra better than anyone. Like, she can see the lines Catra connects to think that this is right. Yeah, I think um, it makes like, a lot of sense that Dora would be for first to, to yeah. forgive her and stuff. Yeah, and I think I think some people have been saying that, you know, maybe some of the, the, the other princesses, there could have been more resistance there. I think the show goes a little fast at that point. Um, and yeah, the, the Scorpio thing, because they relegate the Scorpio reaction to Catra to the very end. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's the one we don't get a lot of closure on. But it's also, you know, Scorpio, extremely empathetic person, she would have. Yeah. She at some point she would embrace her, and maybe they talk through things a lot after that. Maybe that's just the initial initial reaction. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think like once the the season does a great job with the the catcher like selling what's happening with catcher and the entire catcher arc, and it's all real feels really good within the season and like additional context from previous seasons. I think you can like when you discuss everything, it's gonna make sense. It is, I just think, like narratively jarring. The character Catra seasons one to four versus the char- character Catra this season. Um, I think uh, it's it's very different. My reaction to Catra is very different. Like not a Catra fan before. I'm a big Catra fan this season. Um, I think certain, some people like. Uh, I mean, not a Catra fan. I'm like I'm a fan of her character. I think she's great character stuff like that. Oh, but oh, just, okay, I know, misunderstood. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Just personally, like, I, like I think there's some people that get pretty caught up in the bad things she's doing, and then other people um, aren't as much. And there's a kind of the two reactions to Catra. I think she's like obviously going to be sort divisive character to that extent, but um, it's it's like uh, it's a big difference, a big big difference this season, and it really benefits this season. Um, I, I could throw this out there. Here's a comment from Justin Petty Seven on our Discord: "Was uh, wow, can't believe the show would have been this good if Catra was on this side." Because um, like, <laughs> I, I, I think everyone's saying, "Like, is this the best season?" Like, it, you know, would it would the show be have been even better if Catra's just good the whole time, or is it this good because this is the payoff to the struggle before with Catra? I, I struggle to see an alternate universe where there's anything with as big of a payoff as as this. 
Um, I, I will say I I, I enjoy the banter between Nice Catra and and Adora and Glamrembo. So like I can totally see someone being like, man, like we get like a whole well, like like people are asking for like an epilogue series, right? Because we gotta want to see like just like even if it's yeah. just like slice of life stuff between these four four people. I want to see how that how that goes down. So like, I get I get the I get the feeling, but at the same time, like I don't think there's anything with Catradora. Uh, has been the emotional um the emotional fulcrum of this entire show so it's kind of hard to envision what the show would be like if Catra was always it's just a on this side yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, on, on top yeah. on top of the fact that like our villains quote unquote have always been uh, at least to me personally have always played like second fiddle to the main crew uh, in uh, interactions like Hordak I love Hordak but an entire show where Hordak is the only stakes, I'm not sure would have held up, you know? No. And like, and even if we like skipped ahead to Horde Prime, Horde Prime, we'll get to him, but, uh, but like Horde Prime was great this season, but I don't know how long you could sustain that considering yeah. the fact that, that uh, I don't think that the villains are really the focus of this show. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it'd be a different show. I think there's maybe something there just because they're so successful at, at writing this catcher dynamic with the best friend squad. Like, like, should this have been half the show instead of the last season? So, you know, like, I, I think there's something there because it was just really successful. Yeah, I, I, I think it's I don't think we should complain that they caught something really good in the last season. Right. Like, it's, like it's, it's a good thing for the last season. Yeah. 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 Like, like, maybe we could say like, oh, like, it could be cool. But I mean, like, they did this really cool thing. And I'm just happy accepting it. Yeah, I, I think we're all yeah pretty pretty happy with this last season and what entailed. Yeah, I think I think that's the conclusion. Um, qu- qu- quicker, starting to get a little quicker through some other topics. I want to I want to go to <laughs> glimmer to glimmer and bow here because um, mm. a lot of us don't know what to make a glimmer and bow. So this is uh, I I think we have additional context. We get this unexpected romantic culmination with glimmer and bow. I'm reading Noel interviews. She says they wrote the second to last episode with the scene of glimmer saying "I love you" to bow. And they didn't know when they wrote it if it was going to be romantic or not, which I think is like a shocking thing to hear. And then when Karen Fukara went to read the line, she's like, oh, is this a romantic line? Should I act this romantically? And then Noelle says yes. Like, she just decides then. So um, <laughs> I think that's, that's kind of that's a crazy perfect. story. But it may, it <laughs> kind is... of makes sense with, like, yeah. it's not like this is some epic romance story that's culminating. It's like these are just two really close people that I guess are romantic at the end. Like, it's just like an addendum to their intimacy, just their general broad intimacy. Yeah. Um, Alex, I need I need your reaction to Glimmer and Bow because you are the <laughs> well, only person that I remember that initially shipped Glimmer and Bow from season one. I don't even know. If wow, you remember that? I remember. <laughs> I, I'm like literally who ships? Alex shipped it in. <laughs> so you are the expert on Glimmer and Bow. You you are celebrating. You're popping bottles. That's. <laughs> Do I want to be the only straight person on this pod popping balls for this straight ship? Hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure how that's going to look, Dylan. Uh, you can catch your door right up. You're good. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm safe, right? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, look, Glimbo. Actually, what what what's going on here? Season one was the strongest Glimbo at the Glimbo season because like it begins with like Bo sneaking through, sneaking into Glimmer's window and like t- throwing a letters with hearts in it, you know. But then like as the show goes on, like I think that the show does a really good job of making that friendship a more like throwing kinks in it throughout throughout the show, especially in these like the seasons three and four where like Glimmer is slowly distancing herself, like as she gets 
swallowed by the duties of being the queen. And then we get the the second half of the last season where like Bo finally is like had enough of Glimmer and it's like you're making the wrong decisions. Why are you letting this in? So uh, honestly, the this the show had thrown me for a loop to the point where like i think on the discord like i had a list of the sh- of ships i had like chances the, the kissing from i did not list glimmer and bow <laughs> because like I, I, we've gotten to this stage where it's it's like well they're just like really good friends and uh this season will be them like getting to ter- slowly coming to terms with glimmer's actions glimmer's apologizing and bow will will be okay with it it's like that's all i was i was hoping for i didn't expect us to return back to season one levels of oh wow they're they're romantic after all so uh it it took me by by surprise because like i think that this show had done a really good job of not focusing on on the romance sides of that even though like i think if you go back to previous uh previous seasons you'll see hints throughout but um, that there's so much focus on other relationships that are mo- more overt, like Seahawk and Remista and uh, and uh, um, Castaspella and Natasa and all. So, like, because those are so overt, Glimmer and Bo stayed under the radar. But uh, yeah, I was I was happy, but also surprised. Even even though like once upon a time I shipped it, but the show gave me a good swerve. It it really did. <laughs> okay, even Alex is surprised by this ending. Okay. Uh, I think everyone's going to be surprised considering the story, a production story. Yeah. So, like, uh, they were surprised. <laughs> yeah. um, it happened. M- Maddie, does it make, does, Gl- does is the, is, having watched the whole show recently, is Glimmer and Bow make sense as a, a narrative through line throughout the series? Nope. Okay. What? No. It, it <laughs> makes sense. They are definitely just close friends the whole time. Like, even when, like, Glimmer was going to take Bow to Princess Prom, it really read, like, I just want you as a buffer between me and like having to go alone. That was all it was. And yeah, there just... are di- there are different readings of the season. Alex said the season one stuff was romantic. I think a lot of people saw it more as as close friends type things. But yeah. certainly there yeah, was like more the intimacy bold, in season one. Than there definitely was. That I agree. Prom and glimmer is jealous. Like no, 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 there's no, the whole jealousy classic thing. Ship thing. No, 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 I agree. But the way the show presented and the way glimmer acted didn't read as romantic jealousy. You can be jealous of people without having it be a romantic feeling, and also. They really hit home that Bo is at like is in some way attracted to men because he was very attracted to some of the men that came they came to, across in their journey. Seahawk. Seahawk specifically was a lot. Yes. yes. I was disappointed no Bo Seahawk ending. Um I was <laughs> sh- shipping that. Uh, but a lot of the Seahawk were missed. We're going to talk uh, 30 minutes about Seahawk. Can, can, I, can I get no, the uh, perspective no. of a Glimadora fan on Glimmerbo? <laughs> yeah, well, uh yeah, I mean, I would say Glimmer had more romantic buildup than Glimmer and Bell. Um, <laughs> I saw I'm raising my hand. Yes, yeah, Sarah, yeah. please. Yes, well, Sarah, yeah. So not only Glimmer, but number one Glimmer Stan. Like, do you think this is, do you like this ending for Glimmer being, uh, ending up with Bo? And then also if you want to lead this into other Glimmer thoughts from the season on her arc. Yeah, um, I don't know. My res- my response when I saw Glimmer and Bo had their little moments with the I love you's and all that, I texted Dylan and I was like, seriously, they're doing Glimmer and Bo? I was just like, <laughs> like they're doing this? Like, w- why? Like, it doesn't have to happen. Like, I'm not like angry about it, but I also feel like I, you know, 
Like, clearly, okay, clearly the show was about Catradora, but in my heart, I wanted it to be about Glimodora, and I'm sorry if that makes me delusional, uh, delusional uh, but that's the way I felt, and, like, I felt like there was just so much more of Glimmer and Adora's relationship that was developed throughout the show compared to, like, Glimmer and Bo or any, anyone, any other relationship with Glimmer, and so, like, like Glimmer and Bo just feels kind of like whatever, and, um... <laughs> But it's and not a negative reaction. It's not not. Ne- I don't. I don't hate it. It's just like okay. I guess that they. I guess they're doing this. That's fine. Whatever. But I. I. I do feel like Glimmer had some good moments in this season, but I felt like it was not the strongest season for her in terms of her art because they really, you know, focused on Catra and Catra Adora. Um, and so I was a little bit disappointed in that. And I was sort of disappointed too, in what they did with her and her dad. Like I, I didn't really love that. Like he was like a clone half the season. And so like, that was sort of how the relationship, (laughs) the relationship dynamic was like, it's not even him. And I kind of, you know, they had that, um, episode with Frosta and Micah to kind of be like the Micah's being a new dad, a dad again. Um, but I kind of wanted more of like a glimmer, even a glimmer Micah arc this season, rather than a wasn't really any kind of interpersonal arc with Glimmer, I felt. Except for maybe a little bit with Catra. Like a little things here and there, but not really anything particularly strong. And definitely not as strong Glimmer and Bow as it could have been if that's what they were wanting to lead up to. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it comes across, I think, how it happens is more of just the thing, the throw in at the end versus this, this culmination, I think. Um, yeah, the Mike is, is, when Glimmer's fighting Mike in the finale, is this like a big thematic thing of her working through? All of her parents' issues and and really preparing the relationship with Micah. I don't know. Like, is that what it's supposed to represent? Because it's not him, though. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of just feels like mining the parental, like the fact that she's lost. She lost mom, and they're kind of just using clone Micah to be like, oh, you might lose another one throughout the season. Like, also when they're sneaking into into Mysticore, like there's they do like moments of her being like scared of, of Micah and like they're mining that for emotional uh emotional stuff which like you know it's fine but like there, there there feels like missed potential with the fact that you bring Micah back from the dead and he doesn't really do much Anything? much in the in in this season uh, that that frost side part just killed me into it. like that's it, that's like the one thing I'm like why is this in the season I don't need Micah being a ba- like a, a figuring out how to be a dad again like and it's worse because like you don't you don't get like Micah and Glimmer at the end like you get the one like hi I'm your dad and that's it so like it's not like it even like help with anything so i feel like there could have been so much more emotional payoff than there was yeah yeah so like micah just feels like the biggest missed opportunity in in this season to me and i I feel sad because like i I think there's a lot of things you you could have done with especially with with his relationship to, to to glimmer um yeah well i was gonna say something else about glimmer i've uh oh and also with with glimmer like the last season it ended with her like seeing the end the end consequence of shutting out her friends from uh from her decisions and like all things go all awry and it doesn't feel like we really address it that much in this season to me like it's focused on getting forgiveness from Bo, which is an important thing in itself 
but it doesn't feel like we touch much uh, like the on on the fact that she kind of like pushed everybody out again like that's related to the fact that forgiveness is just very um it's a lot easier to come by in in this relationship but at this it just felt weird that like upon return it, it like focuses just on Bo and not really on everybody else that she kind of affected with that yeah, I, I agree. And like, especially like I was really disappointed with just how quickly, like, I mean, obviously, it's great that Adora, um, you know, forgave Glimmer, uh, but I felt like there could have been so much more, especially because their relationship was so hugely focused on in the last season with their arguing and, you know, all of that, that stuff. And I just wanted there to be more payoff to that once Glimmer returned and there just wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Glim- uh, Adora. Pretty immediately okay with Glimmer. Um, Adora, very forgiving person. Uh, and like, you is can that a good thing? I, I think I I think Adora is very forgiving because in a very depressing way, honestly. And we will. I, I don't want to go into it all of it, but I think she's just so she needs people in a way that's not very healthy, and so she's lucky that Glimmer is so good. Uh, I will say also it's justifiable in that Adora has gone through the same problem throughout the show in yeah. terms of doing things on her own and ignoring people. So like she at least knows where Glimmer came from and she sees that Glimmer's remorse well, is like, I, well, I've been through the same. But it, the, the show itself doesn't really touch on that in the text, which is kind of, you know, a little, a little bit off. And I think that there's some, like, a, a difficult thing to mention here is, unfortunately, not everyone in the cycle of abuse gets better in this with these similar problems gets better and sometimes you have to leave people behind and that's really sad for but to get better you need to like just not just move past people who are abusing you but move past people that just can't move past their abusers too and it hurts a lot but unfortunately you're not responsible for every person who's struggling and it's it's just I, I think that Adora could very easily be bit, like, like you were implying, Sarah, could be very easily bit in the butt by this, this tendency to forgive people. She and just it, yeah, has such a strong sense of personal responsibility for others. Yes, yeah. and that's how Catcher was hurting her for so many seasons. Because the fact of the matter is, whether she loved Catcher or not, Catcher was the thing keeping her so unhealthy for the first yeah. four seasons. Yeah, uh, this, it's good stuff. But um, everyone's all everyone's best friend squad, all good. There you go. That's that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what the last season. Yeah, that, that that last shot of them being on the on the grass together, a final Glimmer moment because it's uh, Adora, then Glimmer, then Bo. So uh, Gl- Glimmer is right next to her. So, Yay! Yeah. Right. Okay, we'll take it. I guess. Oh yeah. Also, <laughs> Gl- 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 Glimmer Catra, a bunch of that this season. You know. So the, really, it's just the the thruple slash four four pull. You know, quad quad pull. Whatever I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's the real end game, I think. Quartet, you mean? Ot is that four? Ot four? You know, is it a quartet when it's like romantic? Is that how that works? Uh, I don't know. But well, let's, 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 let's move let's forward. No, I don't want to move forward. Uh, no, the I also, I, Glimmer. Wow. The thing I love about Glimmer Bow is I, the show is not afraid to pair the other two characters, which shows really hate doing because they think it's convenient. Those of like, the main pairing, they don't want to pair the other two people up. But this show was not afraid of it, and as someone who wants everyone oh, to wow, end up together, I was really yeah. happy with that. I think it was brave, and they had so many I love you. So that was brave too. Um, you know, as uh, all. <laughs> the, well, that's the best part. Brave okay. that Kyle and 
Rogelio ended up together. Yes, that was brave too. And they adopted a baby. That was also yeah. brave. And um, they they gave Seahawk and yeah, and Mamrista the moment. And now you know, uh, every, everything was great. We saw Seahawk's ex boyfriends. Oh saw, my god! Yes. You know, okay. Okay. Anyway, Mamrista is apparently turned on by burning ships. Good for her. Oh my god! Mamrista, that was the most romantic thing because oh my god, try it for herself. <laughs> yeah. Um, Latin, the last couple was in Trap Deck, which we, uh, uh, ooh la la. <laughs> which we also culminated not as, uh, explicitly, I guess, as the other ships, but it was in the epilogue type segment. Uh, Alex, uh, was also popping bottles for this. So tell me <laughs> how many bottles were popped for in Trap Deck? Um, look, it, it's, it's a weird situation because on the one hand, I wish we had more of Hordak. I feel like we were kind of robbed of, of, of some Hordak stuff here. He, he gets a little bit in like the final couple of episodes, but it just, uh, he's, it's kind of held aside for Horde Prime. On the other hand, we, throughout the season, I, we continue entrapped to just being a horny for all technology. Like she, oh she has a bit of a fling with Darla. Like she's like, we're going to have some quality time together. You're <laughs> really sexual at times. Yeah. So like, so like she, she, she is friends to all technological beings. And so that in itself kind of is like, I don't know if it's like special between Hordak anymore. If she's also like got relationships with all these other things. You can be tech poly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's true, that's true. <laughs> Uh, and uh, of course, like Hordak finding the entrapped crystal, and he, he like he remembers, and that's like ah, oh, so uh, the and entrapped gets pu- uh, pulled away by Swift, and like remember your imperfections are beautiful. It's like such an amazing, it's a great callback, and Hordak and uh, Hordak is being edgy, like I just go away so I can forget these memories, and <laughs> and, and so like so. So, like, you get the final hug, and it's like, we're going to catch up and all. And, like, that's fine, but it's at the same time, it's like, God, Hordak, like, there, there could have been more, but uh, there's not. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for Untrapped Deck, but at the same time, it, I, I, I'm, I'm left wanting more, which I'm not really with any of the other ships. Like, all the other ships got, got their due, and Untrapped Deck didn't... Didn't really, so you know. <laughs> Considering what Entrap Deck is, I feel like this was a prominent placement, right? Because, um, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> it just feels like Hordak in general was just kind of always getting the short stick in terms of character development, and it seems like it. It almost feels like when they wrote, like when they set out with this show, it feels like they were gonna do more with Hordak, and then just other things were more interesting to cover, and then by the end. By this point, there just wasn't time to go through the Hordak stuff that I was int- people were interested in. Well, yeah, and like I can justify from a story standpoint, where like Horde Prime is your new villain, Hordak has been reduced to a pawn, so yeah. like it, do- it doesn't make sense to focus on, on Hordak. It also, really. so um, yeah. Also, Hordak's like quote unquote. I, I don't know what I'm looking for, but, but Kordak coming out of like being controlled by Prime just mirrors Katra's journey already, and I don't think they wanted to just do that beat for beat again. Yeah, more Hordak. Okay, that was our conclusion from the season. Yes, more give us Hordak. more Hordak. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't enough. Yeah, and, there wasn't but, enough Hordak. And Entrapta in general, as, as maybe not her strongest season, but still a very good season for Entrapta. I love when they like uh, are the when we get to see her interaction with the other princesses and like the princesses like figure out how to 
how to appeal to her, but at the same time, like treat her like a regular person in spite of her her particular focuses. Like the season episode episode two is it, it ends up really good about that. So I, I I appreciate when Entrapta gets to be with the uh, with the rest of the cast and not just kind of held off in her own corner. I really yeah, love better way to put this. Uh, neurotypical because regular seems a little. Uh, yeah, 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 that's a fair point. Yeah, and then you know the show doesn't get explicit. I think with with that stuff with Entrapta. Um, but uh, yeah, we got covered the her needing to emotionally consider other people and stuff, and and um, she she's yeah a lot of I think she, I think it could be like one of like her second best season. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff yeah there. that's definitely in the conversation. Like the Entrapta Hordak season is the best, but this could be second best. <laughs> there's one season. Oh man, okay. Yeah, the whole season where they're laughing. Yeah, it was the whole season. Yeah. Okay, well, just, we gotta do the Entrapped Act rewatch. Um, oh, that's, no. the, anyway, that's the Alex's podcast. Um, uh, uh, last quick, I mean, uh, we could talk about the Star Siblings for a second. They're in episode four, I th- or five, yeah, and five, five? Uh, four, four, yeah. And they're, um, you're like, okay, these are gonna be new characters, and they're just in that episode. But um, think it's uh, seeing more that potentially the the brother in the star siblings was potentially a, a, a trans man as vo- was voiced by was voiced by one jewel star um and also they're referred to as um the star sisters in princess prom although yeah. it doesn't really plot wise make sense that that would be the same thing that, that's being referred to um but conceptually that's like and i think it's just something that exists in the shira canon it's um, it's just another thing that's just like obviously i'm happy that there's a trans man here like this is like and that's good but like it just follows that trend of like if you dig deep you can find these trans characters but like on the surface they're just not there and it's frustrating uh yeah i mean i i was before knowing about uh jewel star i was gonna say that like this season has so much amazing rep and last season has great non-binary rep and i think like as we've talked about at the last uh last year end's uh queer rep podcast like trans rep isn't really following in these in these kids no. shows and that's um, and that's just continuing and, and that's yeah there is this little thing thrown in there but um certainly not nearly this, remotely as prominent as all the other things this mirrors and i hate to bring it up don't Dylan. <laughs> don't, you're not thinking of. It, it, it mirrors another show we watched this year um and i won't say the name because it's cursed in, in, in like having a character but not like not saying, like what, like yeah, saying it on it like social media or saying yeah. it in some way that this person is trans and that wasn't even this because like this is just the voice actor is trans yeah, and people just found this I don't think anyone said like, yeah and also and anything. to be fair his or his um body shape is not the typical masculine form he has hips that are wider than most um, assigned male at birth people have and but the problem is that this show is just very good at having a lot of different body shapes in general. And it's hard to tell whether this was on purpose with the fact that um, the trans man voices the character. I'm inclined to think, yes, that this was on purpose specifically for this character. And it's, again, frustrating, though, because it's on the one hand, it's good to have trans characters just showing up because they're just people. Because like a lot of the things like 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 I've said before, on like the, the queer rep pod, like when you're showing like people who have sexualities it's important to their person like it's important to it's easy to show externally who they are because like they're in a relationship they're in like they they have they want to be with women or men 
of this they want to be people of the same sex i don't have to explain this what am i explaining this for but the point is that like with trans people they're just trying to be themselves and so it's really hard to just have these small characters who are trans and have it be rep because yeah it's it just doesn't work that way because you have to have a character and and, and, be, and to be able to understand it they need to be in the show enough to at least mention it once which is something that you don't just mention offhand as a trans person. So it's just like, it's it's a difficult balance and I get that, but it's still frustrating that it doesn't happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, Bo, someone people think uh, has, has always been kind of a fan theory that we've been thematically portraying Bo as trans. And there's the one episode where there's this whole metaphor, coming out metaphor yes. that could be interpreted as trans. And we don't end up following up on that. Really. I don't remember if it was the end of, season four or it was the beginning of this season but someone says princesses to everyone in the room and Bo says I'm not a princess like like it's almost just like really strange like that they would call them princesses when Bo is there you know what I mean it just feels wrong it feels weird except if you view it from this lens of like he was in that position at some point and I, mean, I was like Bo just not a, like a canon in the mythology like a princess like the other ones yeah i know it, it's also it all but i mean like it's always these like wink wink implied things not like actually talking about it is what i mean yeah i would have loved to follow up episode to that Bo, Bo's dad's episode we like we see the dads but we don't get the follow-up to the met what the metaphor we we're doing yeah the dads yeah dads were good that's another topic yeah well, i mean i how about how about uh, we can go around and any any last things from the season can bring up and give last thoughts on this, um, Sarah? Any anything else from the season? Oh, you're calling to me first, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think like overall, I was happy with the season. Um, I think I've, I've basically said most of my most of my thoughts. Um, yeah, but you can come back to me if I think of anything else. <laughs> okay, you can, you can come up, yeah. interject at any point. Okay. Um, if there's anything else. <laughs> Maddie, anything else from season Bo's dads? Uh, no, unfortunately, because I just want to mention Adora just because I didn't get a chance to talk about her end of thing as, in a way I wanted to because Katra is incredible. And like in earlier seasons, I really like connected with Katra and I was kind of crying. I was crying in multiple scenes with her, but it wasn't a cat catcher scene that hit me this season. It was actually an Adora scene when she's talking to Mara near the end. I think it was in the first half of the finale. And Mara tells her that she's allowed like, like in like, just to like paraphrase it, like she's telling her that she's allowed to want things. She's allowed to be a person and allowed to be selfish in some way because she's a, she's a person like everyone else. And that hit me really hard, and I really appreciated that we came back around to talk about that with Adora. It's something that I really, it's a message that I really connected with and something that I had to work through as well. And I, I don't know, it, it, it was, I really appreciated it. And it kind of hit me at an, it just kind of came out of left field in terms of when they talked about it, but it definitely was built up too. Yeah, I think we've talked a little bit about that Adora theme on the first podcast. We really enjoyed that, yeah. Um, and ties into a Catra's, Catra's theme and stuff like that. Um, Alex, uh, anything else from the season? Um, haven't really talked about Horde Prime that much from this podcast, but oh, I will yeah, say that I, uh, uh, I would just say that I really appreciate uh, the, the usage of the, of the mind control, just because I think that on, on its own Horde Prime, the, the idea of Horde Prime 
was menacing, but like not not that much that I was like thinking it could hold a season. But the fact that you're able to turn characters that we have uh, emotional connection to, like Mermista, like but basically they picked all the princesses at, that I had that I enjoyed the most, like Mermista, Scorpio, like those hurts to see them turn turn to evil, and and Micah as well, like because he has power of dark magic, so like, it makes sense, like pick the most powerful people to control and split them up. Uh, I think that that's just a really good decision in terms of setting up the stakes of the season, as opposed to just keeping it as the uh, as horde robots like make it people we care about and uh, um to the point where like uh, all of micah's fight scenes were like really uh, really threatening <laughs> like it, it felt like at any time that happened something uh, terrible could happen and uh, um also with the horde prime um i saw some stuff leading up to the season of like there being some religious allegory i think the most obvious thing is the the cult-like state of the clones where they're talking about being pure casting out the shadows and they're all repeating stuff but also at the same time like it connects with with adora uh, from from season one, Adora was portrayed as like this person who was stuck in a in a cult like atmosphere where you're only taught a certain thing and you have to slowly figure out how to be your own person. And that that comes all the way around to the to the very end with like Adora having having to realize that you you don't have to dedicate your life to a, a higher goal if that's affecting your your mental well-being and ignoring your own personal needs and needs and desires and that also com- comes to fruit with 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 seeing horde prime show up again we're like the this whole cult like atmosphere of only one one philosophy working out so like it, it's just it, it's interesting to see that that theme of Shira, like from season one, will continue all the way through to through to the end, and uh, and yeah, Horde Hor- Hor Prime was a was a solid villain. Um, lots of uh, lots of hand touching on shoulders, which you know, classic uh, classic move to assert dominance. Uh, also used by Shadow Weaver in certain scenes. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, this season was really good, and I I think. It just, uh, in terms of final final season, it, it follows up. It, it goes hand in hand with the first season of the show very well. Uh, so I, I love that kind of them- thematic uh, connections. Um, good, good, good show, uh, and uh, uh, I'll miss it. Good show, and I'll good miss show. It. That's, that's good a, show. Good. That's a good closing. Point. I think that's yeah. how I end all series finales podcasts. Good show. <laughs> that was you about Steven Universe. Yeah, Maddie, I was yeah. gonna very briefly uh, ask your thoughts on Horde Prime as like a sci-fi villain. Oh, 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 oh! I from just purely like like ignoring all the symbolism like of Horde Prime. I really like the like the way that he's portrayed. I really love the effect of him taking control of the clones and the way it's effectively uh communicated to the audience with the like the eyes becoming gaining pupils it's just so creepy and it's so well done because we keep hearing about him saying like i know all and all that stuff and and as the viewer you're like oh yeah you're just like a stuck up guy who's in charge but then you then you see his like secret power and it's like oh this is really scary. This is really creepy. And then it really, I really love the way it pays off when he takes control of Catra that one time and the way he takes control of 
our original Hordak at the end when we kill Hordak Prime's body. Because it really just is like, yeah, yeah, that does nothing, guys. Killing the body does nothing. Yeah. So then where is he? If he's not... (laughs) He's he's just... He is essentially a... um, The way I've, I've gathered it is he is more just like a consciousness that can... That has just clones being clones with very little resolve and and um sapience and he just so constantly yes probably, I'll, I'll probably like uploaded to the net with the network yeah he's probably at this point then. more like a sand like apparel upload thing yeah yeah um and then adora performs an exorcism to get rid of yes him at the end. like yeah. that's fine whatever but like i think the actual like <laughs> promise of what he is and like the what we see at the beginning is really cool and i really think that i appreciate that this was our final villain because he is interesting mechanically and creepy and that's a good combination yeah i think ends up being our best straight up villain i mean there's a lot of like people who act as villains at various points but um yeah uh sarah and anything else okay i think like like summarizing my feelings about the season would be like I I enjoyed it overall as a as a, as a show that I watched. I think I've struggled with different themes and how they were carried out in maybe ways that like pe- other people kind of felt were good. Like you know, in terms of like Katra's integration into the new group and like Katra and Adora's relationship. I think it didn't work as well for me as it did for others but i don't think that necessarily is a bad thing it just you know everybody has different ways that they take in things um and like i think also like adora's we like uh theme towards the end of not having to sacrifice herself and yet she still kind of does have to sacrifice herself even though she ultimately doesn't because the power of of her love for katra turns her into shira and so she doesn't have to die um but it's still it's still kind of things just didn't quite fit neatly together the way that I wanted them to. So I guess that was kind of like, I guess like to be like a more like negative view of the season, I guess, but not to say that I didn't overall enjoy it. And then my final comment was that I want to say that I liked Katra's hair. Oh my oh, God. Yeah, her yeah, hair. Yeah, sure. How are we not talking about her hair? <laughs> they like, they went further than the bye Bob and are just like, what if we gave her a pixie cut? And it's like, oh, it's so gay. It's so good. And the adorable, the She-Ra ponytail, not bad either. Oh, my <laughs> God. There's, and also, I loved Catcher's hair, like the flat in the fake flash forward when she has like that little ponytail. It's so cute. Yeah, that's, yeah. Where's, okay, so where's the, the, the we want the slice like, of life like series all, all, to see All the these, new these looks in this, in this season are great. I just... I want a new show. I mean, I want I want his epilogue, but it's just different different pictures of Adora to catch her with different hair and, and okay, new hair every episode. And yeah, the, the well, she raw future. Yeah, she raw future. Yeah. But every episode is a time skip, so we get new outfits every time. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's good. Um, time skipping through their relationship. I think that's a show. Um, we could yeah, they could do that. Um, that'd be fun. Like we get to see every moment, fun. and we get to see them yeah. adopting a kid and like being parents. It would be fun. No, they're just uh, they're dig god 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 parents to the imp baby. Speaking of kids, that random moment where like Hordak just all of a sudden remembers picking up Adora as a baby, like and, like a okay. field of flowers. It's so weird. Yeah, like yeah, uh, I remember. I vaguely remember that from season one or two, but like, what does that mean here in the finale? This is weird. 
Yeah. It's supposed to, I think it th- ties into what was happening thematically at the I, time. I, I guess. After you, after you watch it. But or that because there's, there's, there's a lot going on at the end. Um, okay. So there, there you go. These are our thoughts on Shira yeah, finale. Let us know what you thought. Overlyanimated.com, YouTube.com slash Overlyanimated. Um, we might discuss Shira more in upcoming podcasts, but this is the last planned one as of now. But regardless, she would will come up in many a discussion in the future in other shows and general topics. Um, if, if people have ideas on what to talk about with Shira, we can, you know, we can do, you can do more podcasts, definitely open to that. Um, and, uh, but it's been a lot of fun talking about Shira. We covered the show the whole way through. Um, I don't know. We don't need to, we don't need to do this all day. We did that for Steven Universe for previous shows. We're going to do that again. <laughs> this was only a year and a half. It wasn't as much of a thing. This is too, but, uh, we, we, we did it. We did it. We made it. And, uh, it was, it was great, great run with, with Shira. And thanks to everyone for being on the podcast and for hosting podcasts and stuff. Thanks to everyone for listening all the way through. If you want to continue to talk about Shira with us, overlyanimated.com slash discord. We're on there. And if you want to support us, you can check out patreon.com slash overly animated. Thanks to our current patrons, special page of podcast, Scott. Um, and thanks always to our patron executive producers, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Beatrice, Hugh, Michael, Needle, and Phonition. And we'll have more coverage of more animated shows coming up. And like I said, always we'll be discussing Shira, probably comparing stuff to Catradora, probably <laughs> comparing stuff to other characters. So subscribe to Anonymous Future Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.